Today is our last uh, message in this series, The Always God. Um, over the last few weeks, we've been reminded that God is always speaking. Uh, he's still speaking to us today. Aren't you thankful for that? Uh, we also have talked about the fact that God is always listening. He hears our prayers, and he intervenes in the situations, in the lives of our children. He's always seeing. No matter how tough our lives have been at any given moment, God sees it. God knows about it. And the good th and aren't you so thankful to know that God sees you right where you are? He knows where you are. So today, we're going to affirm this final, this final truth, and that's that God is still restoring. Aren't you thankful for that? Man, I know I am. You know, God, here's the good news. God's always been in the restoration business, okay? And he's still at it today. Okay, so, I mean, I can't help but do this, and you'll understand why. Anybody ever uh, seen the TV show Fixer Upper? Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I figured <laughs> so it's kind of more like who hasn't, right? You know, who hasn't, okay? So, uh, so before we start, here's my question for you. Why do you like it? Why do you like that show? Yeah, ugly, ugly house, all of a sudden it's beautiful. Anything else you like about it? Anybody else? I'm oh, sorry? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this house, it was, it's, it's, it's just awesome, right? It was ruined. It was like of no value. And all of a sudden, all right? Okay, yeah. I mean, you know, look, okay, at, you know, at its peak, right, this was one of the highest rated TV shows on cable TV. Uh, every week, millions of viewers tune in to watch Chip and Joanna, right? Chip and Joanna. We, you don't even need to know their next. You just say Chip and Joanna. Everybody knows those names, right? They're pop, they, they were so popular, they put Waco, Texas on the map. Who could, who, who would ever thought of that, right? And, and they turned their headquarters into a destination spot for tourists from all over the country to come there. And, and I think we've all seen it, but just in case anyone either watching online or anyone here hasn't seen it, you know, the premise of the show is actually pretty simple, right? So usually a couple will buy a house that needs a significant amount of restoration, uh, and uh, Chip and Joanna come to the rescue, right? They come to the rescue. Uh, Chip leads the construction effort, and Joanna provides all the design and, and decorating kind of, kind of you know, planning like that. And but the show always builds to usually what's everybody's favorite part, which is what the big reveal. Right? The big reveal. That's where Chip and Joanna have the couple stand outside their newly restored home, uh, but their view is blocked with a photograph, a big painting or photograph that's, that's like the size of the house, right? So they can't see it. It's almost life-size image. And right at the appropriate moment, Chip and Joanna pull it apart, right? And all of a sudden, the couple can see their newly restored home. And, and, right, and so after all the immediate, you know, tears and crying and everything, you know, they then tour the house with Chip and Joanna leading the way. Uh, 
And with all the people, all this, you know, they're joyfully, tearfully marveling at everything, all these beautiful improvements that have been made to their home. This week's scripture passage made me think about that show. Because just like Chip and Joanna are great at repairing and restoring damaged and broken down and dilapidated old homes, that's exactly what God does for us when he repairs the brokenness in our lives. God takes our damaged, broken, scarred, spoiled clay that's our lives, and God reworks it, remolds it, repairs it into something special. To see this more clearly, let's, uh, let's take a look at today's scripture passage. It's found in Jeremiah 18, verses 1 to 6. And what it says... It says, the word, this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. He said, go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me, and he said, Can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does? Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. The purpose of leading Jeremiah to this real-world location and activity was to get his attention. God wanted to teach him uh, this important lesson about how he works in the lives of his people. And he did so using this very everyday, normal behavior uh, of the work of a potter and his clay. The object lesson that this event communicated was pretty simple, actually. The potter has complete control over the clay. As a result, the potter works the clay. The potter forms the clay, the potter molds the clay into whatever shape and use the potter desires. In fact, for the clay to ultimately conform uh, to the potter's desires, it has to be worked. It has to be worked. Uh, it, it has to be reworked. And the lumps that are in the clay have to be smoothed out. And, and any area that's imperfect, that's, that's spoiled or marred or damaged, has got to be remade and restored. This, this passage is actually an incredible example of how God works in our lives. And it confirms that God is still in the business of restoring people and restoring their lives even today. As, look, the, 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 as a result of this truth that we see in this passage... I think really what it leads to us is just a really simple critical question, though, that all of us need to answer is, is what's required for God to then to intervene and restore the brokenness in our lives? Because we're all there. You know, I, I, I use that word broken uh, as, as kind of a common synonym, okay, uh, to use to describe the clay. Uh, that we saw in verse 4. Because different translations use different words, but they're all, they all basically mean you know, similar things. Uh, the word that's used in the verse to, to talk about broken uh, or marred 
okay, can also be translated spoiled. Uh, but it, the word in the original Hebrew is also translated imperfect, corrupted, injured, broken, ruined. Okay, so we, we see this also used in another spot with Jeremiah. So just to confirm it, uh, in Jeremiah 13, 7, uh, there's, a, there's a, a, an instance where God uh, had Jeremiah buy a belt. Okay, let's read this. Jeremiah 13, verses 1 to 7. This is what the Lord said to me. He said, go and buy a linen belt and put it around your waist, but do not let it touch any water. So I bought a belt as the Lord directed, and I put it around my waist. Then the Lord said, uh, came to Jeremiah a second time, and he said, take the belt you bought and are wearing around your waist, and then go to Parath, this other place, and hide it there in a crevice in the rocks. And so I went and I hid it at Parath, as the Lord told me. Many days later, the Lord said to me, now go back there, go back to Parath, and get the belt I told you to hide there. So Jeremiah went back there, and he dug up the belt from the place where he had hidden it, but now it was ruined and completely useless. Because the belt had not been properly cared for, because the belt had been used in an improper way, and it, it, it was now damaged, and it could no longer perform its function. The passage could certainly describe some of us at some point in our lives, because we've experienced, many of us, things in our lives when we weren't properly cared for, when we were mistreated, maybe abused, even tossed aside. And now we can have difficulty being the people God created us to be. And, you know, in addition to any of this possible physical or emotional brokenness that we can experience, no matter, we're all spiritually broken. We've all been spiritually broken. Because that's what sin does to our lives. So sin corrupts us. It mars us. Sin ruins us. And it renders us unable to be the people that God designed us originally to be. And we all know that sin completely breaks our relationship with God. We know that Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So if we were to translate that verse using the way Jeremiah spoke, we'd say, for all have sinned and become spoiled and corrupted. And that's what separated us from God. Truth is that our lives are no different from that lump of clay that we read about. And the only solution for the spoiled clay, the marred clay, is for the potter to remake it, to rework it. That's the only solution for our sinful brokenness is to give our lives to be remade, refashioned by the potter in heaven. That's the picture of salvation. The only solution to sin and the brokenness in our lives is the gospel of Jesus. And so that when we give our lives over to him, he makes us into what is called in 2 Corinthians 5.17, a new creation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. 
One more thing. Remember what we read in Jeremiah 18.6 where he said, Can I not do with you Israel as the potter does? Declares the Lord, like, like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. Here's the thing. This verse makes it really clear that when, once we've been remade by God, once we're remade and we've entered into a relationship with him through faith in Jesus, that doesn't mean we're done. It doesn't mean we've arrived. The moment of our salvation is when God begins the reshaping work. That's when the reshaping starts, not when it stops. And just like the Jewish people, over time, all of us, uh, all of us who are in a relationship with God, we mess up, don't we? There, there have been times, no matter how long we've been walking with the Lord, occasionally we mess up. We fall away. And we can step out of God's will for our lives. We can make some choices even that can damage our lives and can make us unusable. But the good news for us is that the same thing that Jeremiah learned when he learned that clay that is marred or broken can be reworked and remade and ultimately restored. Our, our broken lives, our broken lives don't have to remain broken. Our damaged lives don't have to remain damaged. Our, our, the, the things we've gone through don't, don't have to be where we stay. I mean, I find that just to be great news. And I, and I, I hope you would agree too. That, that, man, there's hope, right? There's hope in the potter's hands, right? Okay, so the first thing, like we said, is, is we've got to realize that we're all broken. The second thing we want to do is we want to ask God to restore us. And this is an important point. We don't try to do it ourselves. Right? A lot of people try to sort their own lives out themselves. And usually they just wear themselves out and don't get anywhere. So, because the scripture told us that only the potter had the power over the clay. The one who created you and me is the potter. If restoration then can only come from the hand of the potter, you can't do it yourself. Only God has the power to rework, remake, and restore what's broken in your life. Don't just, just don't waste time trying other solutions. They won't, they won't work out. And don't delay in asking God for his help. Hebrews 3, 7 and 8 and verse 13 say, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. It's like, it's like say, today, if you, if you understand that the way to, to restoration is to ask God to do it, why would you wait? Just, just respond now. Don't harden your hearts. The longer you wait, the harder your heart becomes. But exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So the longer we wait, the more we resist, the longer we try to do things ourselves, the, the, the harder our hearts become and the harder the, the work of restoration becomes. Any of you guys ever remember Plato? Who knows Plato? 
Yeah, I, well, okay, now if you still play with it, don't admit it, okay. But, <laughs> but, but I'm glad you all know about it, right? Anybody ever leave it out overnight? Yeah, hard as a rock, right? Hard as a rock overnight. It gets hard and brittle. And, and it's not very easy to work with it anymore, is it? it ta- you can do it, but it takes a whole lot more work, okay? That, what, what's true with Plato is kind of true with our lives as well. If we don't guard our hearts and keep our hearts soft and pliable and moldable before the Lord, if we don't maintain our relationship with Jesus by reading his word and through prayer and by fellowship with other believers and walking with him, if we choose not to listen to him and embrace his word in our lives, we can find that our hearts become hard. If we allow our hearts to become too hard, then that just means God will have to break us before he can remold us because it's hard. He can rework and restore our lives And I'm thankful for that. And I'm also thankful for the fact that no matter how hard our hearts become when we give them to him, he'll never give up on us. He can always accomplish it. So today, whether you're here or you're watching online, and you're in some kind of situation that's tough, that's overwhelming you, that's breaking you, okay, um, you know, maybe an important relationship has just come to an end or someone you love is chained up with addiction or you've got an illness or an injury that has uh, frankly exhausted you or, or maybe you've just been let go from your job. Look, whatever it is, don't, don't run from God and lose hope. Run to God. Run to God. Run to the potter's house. The enemy will always try and convince you when you're in trouble, that the best thing to do is go hide and isolate and figure it out yourself. Because the enemy's goal is to separate you away because his goal in your, for your life is to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what scripture teaches. That's a lot easier to do when you're isolated and by yourself. So the enemy will never encourage you to run to God. Okay? But that's exactly what we need to do. We need to run to the potter's house. No matter what damage or loss has occurred, God can restore what's broken in your life. Here's the great part, because this isn't about what you've done. This is about what he can do. That's worth an amen. Amen. Right? I mean, this is not about what you've done. Thank goodness, because some of us have done some dumb stuff, right? I mean, if we're really honest, some of us have done some things, but aren't you glad that your life is not defined by what you do, it's defined by what he can do? Amen. I love that. I love that. Okay? Um, So we just need to decide today to release ourselves into the hands of the potter and, and, and let him make us back into something that's wonderful, something that's beautiful, something that that is useful for his desire for us. Look, uh, there's a number of examples of this. I mean, if we, you know, I always like to say, well, if I'm saying we should do that, is there an example in scripture to back it up, right? Because then you know for sure. Well, there's a number of examples, but I thought it's kind of my favorite one 
because you know there's nobody there's there's no better example than like the one that's like so big you can't miss right okay well let me tell you the one that's so big you can't miss and that's uh, the life of Peter Jesus disciple if, if anybody ever illustrated this point okay is 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 what uh, you know about God's power to restore what's broken in someone's lives let's talk about Peter uh, Everybody remember his epic failure? Yeah, you know, okay, at one moment, right, Peter tells Jesus, I will never deny you. I will go to the death if it's required to, to stand with you. Okay, a couple of hours later, Peter tells people three times, I don't know you. I don't know him. Peter denies not being, not even being, not only I don't know you, but not being a follower of Jesus three times. We read about it, Matthew 26, verses 69 to 75. And it says, now Peter was sitting in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him and said, you, you were with Jesus of Galilee. She says, but he denied it before all of them. Number one, I don't know what you're talking about, he said. And then he went out of the gateway to where another servant girl saw him. And said to the people, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. And he denied it again. With an oath. He said, I don't even know the man. A little while later, those who were standing there with Peter went up to him and said, surely you're one of them. Your accent gives you away. You talk like those guys. Okay. Then he began to call down curses. And he swore to them, I don't know this man. Immediately the rooster crowed. Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken that said, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. When Peter realized what he had done, he felt totally broken. He was overcome with grief. I mean, honestly, he had committed like the ultimate betrayal, right? Here's the thing. Just a few days later after that, once God has resurrected Jesus back to life and some of the women disciples are at the, the tomb and they saw an angel at the empty tomb, the angel gave those women some specific instructions. Get this, in Mark 16, verses 6 and 7, the angel said, don't be alarmed to the women. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified, but he's risen. He's not here. He says, but see the place where they laid him. And then, they, then the angel says, but here's what I want you to do. Go and tell his disciples and Peter. And he calls him out specifically. Go tell the disciples. Go tell all the folks who didn't throw me under the bus. But, but, but tell for sure the guy who did that I want to see him that I want to see him, that I'm, I'm going ahead of you to Galilee, and there you'll see me just as I told you. Man, listen to this. When Peter was at his lowest, was at the worst moment of his life, at his most broken state, Jesus asked to see him by name. And here's, boy, for all of us in our lives, where we've known people, where maybe we've been the one broken, or we've had someone in our lives broken, who maybe has even been, and maybe their brokenness is they're trying to get back to a relationship with us as part of that. I don't want you to miss this next point. 
because this is an easy to say and hard to do thing. Okay? I want you to think about when Peter saw Jesus and he was with him. When they met, Jesus not once brought up Peter's epic failure. He never mentioned it. He didn't shame him publicly, and he didn't dress him down privately. Never mentioned it. Because Jesus wasn't about beating him up for what Peter did. Jesus was about demonstrating what he can do in the life of someone who will come back to him. Okay. So what did Jesus do? Jesus asked Peter a very simple question three times in a row. He said, Peter, do you love me? <laughs> do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And through that very, think how that broke Peter's heart. That's the potter remolding, taking what's broken and marred and damaged and having to break it so that he can reform it and reshape it by having Peter recognize that he really did love the Lord, but that he needed to be restored. And in doing so, Peter was not only restored, but Jesus actually gave him his next assignment because, because what P Jesus said was, Peter, go feed my sheep. Hey, he didn't say, okay, I'll let you back in, you know, I'll, I'll let you come and hang with us. But by the way, you messed up so bad, you're kind of like, uh, you're barely back in the group. You know what I mean? We'll kind of let you in, but like you eat last, you know, you, you don't talk, just be here. But we'll let you in the room. No, he said, I want you to preach the word. I want you to preach the gospel. I want you to go share what you now know is true because you've not only walked with me for these three years, but you've actually seen that even once you're inside and you fail, but you come back, I can even fix that. Man, aren't you thankful that God never quits on you and me when, we, when we've messed up, no matter how bad it is, no matter whether it was no matter what, but when we'll come back to him, he can restore, he can repair, he can remake, and he will keep you in the game. He just wanted to give Peter a new assignment to go preach the word, to boldly share that message. I mean, I think that's pretty cool. That's not bad for a guy who a short time earlier said he didn't even know the man. That's restoration. Here's the big point. Don't wallow in your brokenness. Go back to Jesus. Go back to Jesus. Healing and restoration in your life begins when we ask God to get involved. So when you're ready to move beyond your brokenness, don't wait. Ask God. And then finally, once we've acknowledged that we're broken and we've asked God to restore us, then you will realize that God wants to restore you. You'll see it. You know, I mean, think about this for Peter. God, Jesus restores him to the group. He remakes him. He gives him a new assignment. Peter then not only just got to be back in the group, but not too long after that, the day of Pentecost came. And Peter's called on to preach the message that day. So not only was the Holy Spirit released and given on that day, but Scripture tells us 
that Peter preached, and it says that 3,000 people who heard Peter's message became followers of Jesus. That's a pretty good preacher. But it may not be because Peter, Peter was so just such a good preacher. It may have just been because the power of God was coming through him and touching hearts and lives. But isn't it great that a guy who, not too in the far in the past, had denied even knowing Jesus, by coming back, is now able to share a word that leads 3,000 people to faith in, in Jesus. Look, here's the truth. If God can restore a guy that messed up as badly as Peter, I'm pretty sure he can handle what you and I've done. I'm pretty sure. He can restore what's broken, damaged, or spoiled in your life, my life, as well. And once he's restored and reshaped and healed us then he can once again use us for the purposes that he created us in ways that we'll never experience through any other means. So as we get ready to close today, would you guys stand with me? Um, let's just, everybody just bow your head. Just while for you're here, just nobody looking around, okay? This is just for, between you and God. But as we, as we prepare to close, um, if you've got something broken in your life, but today you'd say, I'm, I'm ready to give it to God. Today I'm ready to let go of it. I'm ready to give it to God. Just raise your hand. Just tell God. Yeah, I do. Okay, good, good. God's seen your hands. Okay, and, and so now, Lord... Uh, today, you've seen our hands. You know, Father, uh, what is on our hearts and, Lord, what we're ready to give to you. And so, Lord, today, we do. We lay it down at the foot of the cross. Lord, we, we, we are choosing to not hold on to it. We are choosing, Lord, uh, to stop trying to fix it on our own. And we are choosing, Lord, to say we realize, Father, that, that, that nothing will change unless we put our lump of clay back into the potter the hands of the potter and so father now today we we ask you to remake us reform us lord take what's hard in our life and soften it and remold us into the shape and into the use that you desire because we know that's where our joy will be found in in allowing lord you to do your work in our lives so father we give you our hurt we give you our pain we give you our scars, and we ask you to reshape, remake, and remold us in Jesus' name. Now to him who loves us and has freed us from all our sins by his blood and has made us a kingdom of priests to serve his God and Father, be to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen.
Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.